This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Oh, no, I get by with a little help from my friends. Let's kick off even by lighting up. Oi. From my friends, the star of the show. Oi! Oi! I spoke to a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg. Oi. This Oi. is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. 77 WABC. Good time. Poison. That Andrew Giuliani, so appropriate that the name of the band be Poison. Because as you and I were um, ascending uh, the flotsam and jetsam stained steps of the IRT, the number six train at 51st Street in Lexington, you were coming uptown, I was coming downtown. Uh, guys had injected themselves with poison, fentanyl. Two of them were right there, almost dead in the streets. The EMTs had to administer uh, Narcan to them, had to start cutting their clothes open right on the street. It's drizzling outside. Another guy downstairs on the downtown side that I saw as I got off the train looked like he had OD'd. So I reported that to the EMTs upstairs. And then down the block, uh, just a block away from the 17th Precinct and the firehouse and the studios at WABC, a guy in the vestibule of Republic Bank who had also apparently OD'd. Welcome to New York City. And like you said, I think it's important to point out that this is right next to the police station over here, less than a block away. From the precinct, from the firehouse. Um, and I didn't see the two guys that you saw on the train because I was going to the uptown side. I popped out. You were coming downtown. But I did see the two people in the Republic Bank that, I mean, looked like it, it looked it, they were they were passed out in there. And, and who knows? It, so you were you were talking about this here, about how this could have been just a bad batch right specifically around this area. But Curtis. This is Midtown. This should be an area that should be completely cleaned out, especially around the holidays. Remember, 
We're still between Christmas and New Year's over here. This is when you're going to have the maximum amount of tourists. People come in, spend their money. And this is what the impression tourists are going to get when they come to New York. This is the impression that we're leaving, Curtis. Well, there are a lot of workers in the area, still a lot of construction sites. The Waldorf Astoria being rehabbed, a number of other facilities that are in the sort of last go-rounds of uh, uh, having windows put in, having the basics put in in the construction sites. So these guys and gals, they're just walking past these uh, people as if they were bags of trash because they're so used to seeing this. What generally happens is in the early mornings, the P-Dope guy shows up at 125th in Lexington, and they are like wolves there. They are like a wolf pack. They are surrounding the drug dealer with his security. So a lot of times they will go downtown because it's very easy to do. They're not paying the fare, right? Fare invasion. Mm -hmm. Cops don't even bother to stop them. There are barely any cops in the system to begin with. And they'll get off at a safer stop. 51st and Lex is a safer stop than, let's say, 110th or 116th or 125th. They go up. They have their little posse with them. They purchase their fentanyl. They've got their needles, their works. They go into a little corner. They start chipping it, sharing needles. And the next thing you see, like this morning, four of them out, out like a light, showing no signs of life, barely having a pulse. If the EMTs hadn't survived with the Narcan, a very good chance that they would probably just die because... The heart wouldn't be pumping appropriately. The pulse would be so low. And they're basically in the rain in the streets, yeah. just dying in Gotham. And this goes on every day. It every does. Every day. And, Curtis, you mentioned fentanyl. I think it's important to note that the latest statistics, and we'll even get more statistics once the year ends over here, but the uh, but the July to June statistics, which have come out recently here from 22 to 23, so in that calendar year, in that half a year and the last half a year, Fentanyl deaths are up 7% from the year before that. And the year before that, we sent records. I mean, you're talking about close to 100,000 people now in the United States of America overdosing from fentanyl. This is something, actually, that when I was in the White House, I spent a little time on the task force. The first year and a half I spent on the task force that Kellyanne ran out of the White House. We had uh, ICE involved in this. You had CBP, obviously, directly involved in this. And you had the DEA task force involved in this. There was an interdiction strategy um, and a public awareness strategy on this and how they were really sending this in. And one of the things that we saw was for 30 straight years before Trump came into office, you saw opioid deaths increase, increase, increase. In 2019, for the very first time, we actually, the first time in, in three decades, you saw fentanyl deaths, opioid deaths decrease by about 17%. Of course, now with the pandemic and then with the open borders of the Biden administration, we've sadly seen new record highs the last three years, and that's true of this uh, most recent year. And you can see what it does right here on the streets, Curtis. Right there for all to see. Interesting side note, while I'm there, because my help wasn't needed, you know, you had the trained DMTs. Always when the professionals arrive, amateurs like myself, you step back because you already got enough people. Sometimes they get in their own way. So they're all doing what they have to do to revive the two who clearly were going, going, almost gone. But they were still showing some, just a, a little bit of a pulse. So this happened to be all males. They were doing their job. And then one of the younger ones says, yeah, 
Yeah, you know, some people here, they're going to uh, film. Uh, you must really get your jollies off filming people when they're dead. Said that to you, Curtis? Well, he said it openly. I was the only one who took a few pictures because mm-hmm. obviously I'm going to post it. Right. So I bit my tongue. It's not the right time, right place. But one of the older EMTs said to him, because he must have been a rookie or maybe a recent graduate. Look, for some of these guys, I could be their grandfather. I'm going to be 70 in March. I'm sure he was in his young 20s. And you could see the older guy pulled him over and said, before you were birthed, this guy was dealing with junkies dying in the streets in New York City more than your experience in a lifetime. Chill out. And so the guy was just mumbling to himself, like, excuse me, this is New York City. People have a right to take pictures of what's going on so that other people who don't have access can see what's going on. See, this is the part uh, problem that we have in the city now is that there is a move afoot at City Hall to eliminate the app, the citizens app, so that any citizen can listen on their app and see if there are crimes being committed in their neighborhood. Because they want to keep on covering up these crimes. Not covering up these crimes, but they don't want the New Yorkers or the American people to know. Or the media. Sadly, New York's quality right. of life in is fact, deteriorating. If you could uh, ask media. Norm Layden to jump in here, uh, get our news director for a second. So basically it's keep everything quiet. Nobody should know. You know, people for years, cop buffs, and there are probably some of them listening, they have uh, they have scanners, mm-hmm. which you can buy at the old radio shack. And they just scan the signals. Uh, normally, and we were just discussing how the initiative of uh, the police uh, and uh, Eric Adams is to encrypt uh, all the chatter back and forth by cops so that even people like yourself in the media who monitor it or on Citizens app would not know of any crimes taking place in the city. That's right. And you would say to yourself, now, wait a second, you've been doing this how many years, Noam? Uh, 23 Right, and you monitor scanners all the time, and that used to be the big thing in a newsroom is you'd have this big Radio Shack scanner. It was cool, yeah. Right, and it would let you know if there were any particular emergencies taking place. It didn't always have to be crime. It could have been just what we saw. Uh, Four people overdosed, you know, EMTs needed. So you get a sense of what's going on. The way it is now, they don't want you known a news guy, or anyone else to know what's going on in the city that they pay taxes in. Yeah, you know, their argument is is that it helps the bad guys, right? Because then they know that police are looking for them, right? That's part of their argument. That's always been the case. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that, you know, criminals are usually listening to cop radio to find out what's going on if they're racing away from them. No, that's, no, it, it, that, that, that's yeah. the old wives' tale. But you right. know what they're doing to people like Noam Layden and... Uh, um, give me the audio, Bob Brown and James Flippin. If they're assigned to police plaza, they're being put in a a trailer. Yeah, there's there's normally there's a press room, a pretty nice one actually. Um, that, that apparently that's going to be gone soon. Noam, did you ruin that for uh, the rest of the press? Is that, I did. Is that you? Is that you who did that? Yeah, you know, some, we had some wild parties in there. So. <laughs> but could you, now, what happens is, let's say Noam was assigned to the police right. bureau. He develops contacts and friendships. And men and women assigned there, they'll give him information. Yep. You know, they'll give him leads. By putting him in a trailer. Oh, like that's directly was... from City Hall, right? right? I mean, there's no there's no doubt in the, in the, in the world that that's from City Hall. Because then, as you mentioned the other day, which is absolutely true, you have to see people go in and out, the press go in and right. out, so that you can get ideas. Okay, well, this is going on. These are, And it just kind of sets up 
another layer that City Hall can then potentially control this. Yeah. Although your your colleague, James Flippin, that I call the hillbilly guy, right. he would love that. You know, like trailer trash himself. Being, <laughs> oh, wow, I got a trailer to myself here. It's, it's so ridiculous. Look, we all know this crime in the city. We all know there are people ODing. We all know there are fires, emergencies. For instance, with the what we experienced the other morning here with the pipe blast and then the fear that asbestos was in the air, you would not have known about mm-hmm. it. No, you would not have known about it because you wouldn't have been able to pick it up on the uh, police scanner or the citizens app. You wouldn't have known about it until City Hall decided if they were going to let you know about it. Mm. That's the danger here. Yeah. Is that they control all the information, all the news. You're not entitled to know anything. Citizens app was great because before that, you basically had to wait till you went to a community meeting or you just have chatter in the neighborhood. Now any person can find out what are the crimes going on in the neighborhood. Right. That, that makes for a better, a, a safer neighborhood because now people know what to be on the lookout for and what not to be on the lookout for. Yeah, and it's just being clear to, like you said, the taxpayers of New York. So that way they can be aware of what the heck's going on in their city, right? I mean, they could a more educated voter is, uh, is ultimately somebody who's going to help the city improve. Um, but sadly, it seems like... Uh, it seems like it's just, you know, it, it seems more than anything like it, it feels like it's shuffling the, the, the chairs on the deck of the Titanic right now, Curtis. That's kind of what it feels like to me. Again, I, I've talked about this. This is, you know, I don't think crime is, uh, you know, crime is 25 percent worse than over the last couple of years than what it is. Not 100 percent worse, but I feel like we're right now on the precipice. When you look at the police numbers, you look at how many are retiring you look at how few are actually applying, how we've decreased the standards, how we've eliminated the standards to get through the police academy. When you look at different laws like the consent decree and, and just how uh, qualified immunity is under attack, um, this feels like this is going to get w- really, really bad very oh, fast here in the with coming couple years. Uh, By the That's way, the Noam, I just saw another ambulance with its lights on heading in the direction where the four men had OD'd. Could you uh, call DCPI? It's 5 o'clock this morning, sure. 51st Stinlex. Uh, lots of EMTs were there. Guys were pretty much dead in the streets. They revived them. At least they were revived enough to uh, remove them and bring them to the hospital. And you find out what happened to them. So you had one in the subway, two up top in the street, and one in the Republic Bank uh, vestibule. All of them had, were OD'd. That guy in the Republic Bank is there every day. No, no, I, not this I guy. I, I, there was two. Yeah, was two. yeah. I didn't. I. I mean, I normally pass them too coming in. Right. But I didn't. Uh, I, this was, is the first time I noticed them. Well, I, I did notice there was two guys this morning. Yes. There's one I see there every day. Yeah, but one, maybe this is the second guy. That's okay. uh, in right. fact he he's uh, ironically Republic Bank puts out little doggy dishes, you know, with the water. Right. That's the guy you're talking about. Yeah. He's right there. No, there's another guy in the back. I saw him. Yeah. African American guy. He was. Definitely OD. So if if you could find out from DCPI what became of those four guys, because they probably shared a bad batch of fentanyl at the same time, and that's why they were dropping all over the place. I will check into it. This is she cracked. We don't just report on the news. We're there when the news is taking place, and then Noam Layden, our crack news director, gives you a follow-up. Now, Curtis, before you called yourself an amateur with all of this versus the professionals coming in, but, I mean, I would have to imagine that 
of all and sure enough, look, you don't have Narcan on you, you, you know. So I understand why you're, you know, why you're calling yourself an amateur to their professionals. But I mean, how many overdose situations have you seen uh, in your life, right through the subways, through everything that you've done with the Guardian Angels? I mean, it must be dozens, maybe oh, hundreds, oh, right? Yeah. And including other cities where I've uh, started Guardian Angels, uh, clearly beyond a thousand, beyond a thousand, beyond a thousand, and. Yeah. I can almost look at it. In fact, the worst place was during the crack cocaine epidemic of the 80s. We used to do drug raids, drug raids in Hunts Point, mm-hmm. where the cops from Longwood Precinct would leave the area when we came in. Right. Really? We basically, we were robbing the crack dealers and then bringing all the money uh, over to the, the uh, soup kitchen nearby uh, in the South Bronx and then destroying the drugs in front of everybody and tossing them down the sewer. And the crackheads were going nuts. What? You're, you're, you're taking the crack and you're throwing it in the sewer? We would do public displays. That's how lawless it was. That was right before your father was elected yeah. in Did, it, did uh, any of the guardian angels ever get killed doing that? I mean, that's, that's pretty dangerous well, stuff. Well, we've had uh, six that. guardian angels who have been shot and killed in a line of duty, three dozen seriously injured. And that all ended when your dad became mayor in 93. He was sworn in. You were climbing all over the podium at City Hall. And he, initi- he, he issued an initiative to the police at that point. It's over. Stop harassing the guardian angels. They're working with us. This is great. I'm the mayor now. And like in any paramilitary organization, once you give a a direct order to the police, some are not going to like it, but they follow it. And others who wanted to work with us were more than eager to work with us. But I'm telling you, when people are dying in the streets of overdoses openly day and night in the subways and the parks, we have a massive problem, and this mayor is too distracted to deal with it. That's for sure. Up next, the initiative he did sign yesterday, Eric Adams, that undid an initiative that your father put into place many, many years ago. You know, because New York wasn't good under Rudy Giuliani, so we should just roll everything back, right? Even the nightclub owners, as much as they hated your dad, admit years later, it was the right thing to do at the right time because this city was out of control. If you had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. The theme song for Eric Adams, Swagger Man with No Plan. The nightlife mayor, as he said, he likes to sample the product. 
And please comp me and my entourage, which is par for the course, and now it'll get even worse. You may not be aware of this, Andrew, but your father, the moment he was sworn in in 1993, mm-hmm. put together a special task force uh, comprised of the men and women of different departments who operated independently and autonomously of the local precincts. Right. And when complaints would come in about nightclubs, cabarets, gin mills, restaurants, you know, loud, boisterous behavior, fights, drug dealing, shooting, stabbings, all of that that was very common uh, in the early 90s, the task force would sweep in and padlock these facilities and hit them with so many tickets their head was spinning. Then, obviously, they had a chance uh, to go to court and to correct it. But in the meantime, they were closed. Yep. And so rules and regulations were established real quick all over town because uh, what the club owners would do, and I know because I would close the uh, McDonald's when I first started, uh, the Guardian Angels, uh, before 1979 at the McDonald's on East Fordham Road and Webster Avenue, which if you go there now, Diego, for your Egg McMuffin and your coffee this morning, it's padlocked. And you know why it's padlocked? McDonald's Corporation in Chicago has deemed it so out of control, so unmanageable. When did they padlock this thing? Pretty recently. In the last uh, few months. Wow. They're out of business because of the gangs, the crime, the drugs, the homeless, the emotionally disturbed. That's it. How many times have you seen a McDonald's go out of business, right? Not not recently, I'll tell you. It's uh, That's that's amazing. But you're right. In terms of this uh, NYPD task force, it was called the Multi-Agency Response to Community Hotspots, or March Task Force. Uh, and it's something that uh, I remember hearing a whole lot about as, as a child. But, um, you know, I think the thing that's amazing to me in looking at all this, and I want you to get into a little bit more of the history of this, because you obviously know this a lot better than I do in terms of what this looked like in the pre-Juliana years. Um, but it seems to me that Eric Adams just seems to be rolling back, I guess along with Bill de Blasio, right? He seems to be continuing more de Blasio policies and rolling back more Giuliani-era policies when in order to save our quality of life here, he needs to be doing the opposite. Well, this is what he's done. Uh, Eric Adams is beholden to the nightlife from Presurians. Mm-hmm. They raised a lot of money for him. They've always screamed about this task force because the community has no other alternative but this task force when the quality of life is diminished because there are fights, shootings, stabbings, all kinds of problems that result from a nightclub, a restaurant, or a bar. And so that task force was very effective. So naturally, all of Eric Adams' cronies and friends in the nightlife world saying, you got to dissolve this. Go back to the old way that it used to be done where the local precinct commander would come in, and after you comped the precinct commander and the lieutenant and the sergeants, free drinks, free food, let's sit down and discuss what the problems in my club are, Mm -hmm. and let me see if I can resolve it. This opens up so many old corrupted practices. This came about, uh, again, long before you were birthed. It was called the Knapp Commission, Investigation into Police Corruption. One of the aspects of corruption were when the cops would come into a restaurant, a nightclub, a gin mill, and shake them down for money, as opposed to write them up summonses, close them down, or padlock them. 
So now it's going to be up to the local precinct to advise uh, the nightclub owners, the restaurant owners, the gin mill owners. These are the problems that you have, and you have to correct them, or we're going to have to come in and do enforcement. Now, in the midst of that conversation, if all of a sudden the owner of the club decides to give you what we call a scatol sandwich, an escarol sandwich, <laughs> you get a nice fresh loaf of Italian bread, yeah. you cut it open, you put dead presidents, preferably Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> you know, the, the, the presidents that these Gavones can't recognize, right, the better, because that means it's the higher denominator. Benjamin, <laughs> Benjamin Franklin, Franklin. That's right? It's all about the Benjamins. Right. It's all about the Benjamins. The higher denominations. And so then the police would go away. So Eric Adams has undone one of the rock rib procedures, quality of life initiatives that worked that your father had imposed upon the city. Even so much, if there was a complaint about noise, which people... Let's face it, working people got to get up in the morning. They yeah. got to go to. So if a club is blasting its music with Diego goes three, four in the morning, that special task force would come with these special Geiger counters. Geiger counters. Yeah. Not for uh, possible uh, radiation. But if you were a few decibels over the permitted amount of noise, that's it. Yeah. They, they padlock you down. They find you, bring it to court. We'll resolve it in court. You can't afford to be out of business. Yeah. You lose money every night you're out of business, especially on the weekends. So it was sort of like learned behavior. So basically the clubs then have to self-police. They're not going to allow any of the craziness that's going to go over the line, whether it be actually in the club or on their street corner there, to then affect the neighborhood. Well, this so used to be. Helps this used to be. That's, right, that's, right out of, uh, that's right out of broken windows. Right. I mean, that's exactly what that's talking about. It's not just the police, but it's actually the community taking responsibility. The guys and gals who would own a bar or run a bar or a nightclub, a fight would break out in the club mm-hmm. over something stupid. And so they would tell the bouncers, don't deal with it in here. Push it outside. Once it's out our doors, it's not our problem. It's the NYPD's problem. Problem is, the NYPD, by the time they would get there, shots were fired. Remember, guys would keep their guns in the cars. Yeah. So they go into the parking lot or wherever they park. Then they pull their guns out. Then they'd be shooting, having shootouts outside. Drug dealing was going on, stabbings. The most famous case was Jimmy Rodriguez. Uh, he had his uh, gin mill right before you crossed the bridge over the Harlem River from uh, from Fordham section into uh, Washington Heights. Mm-hmm. I mean, Castro went there when he came. He was brought there by... Castro went there? Yeah, Charlie Rangel and then uh, uh, Jose Serrano. All the Yankees would go there, Derek Jeter, all the Yankees, until Major League Baseball said, you cannot go to Jimmy's Cafe. You're banned. It's banned because of all the problems I, I there. actually kind of remember that. I remember the, the uh, Jimmy's Cafe MLB thing. Banned. You couldn't go there or you would be suspended from baseball, even if you were a visiting team. Now, Jimmy, he has the Consofrito of Westchester Avenue in an in industrial area. Same activity goes on. And that's where Eric Adams hangs out. That's where Eddie Caban hangs out. His brother's co-owner, Richie Caban, he has the state liquor license. You cannot do this. You do this, we're going back to the, 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 the bad old days that when the clock strikes 12 and clubs are still open and bars are still open, Whatever happens after 12 midnight is never good, Andrew. Under no. normal circumstances, it's even going to get worse. Yeah, absolutely. You add alcohol, you add drugs into that mix right there, and then you take the NYPD and you further 
handcuff them in order to enforce this well, stuff. Well, look, the guy, who's, the guy who's in charge, the guy who's going to be in charge of this is not even a cop. All right. His name, a person of no consequence, Jeffrey Garcia, owns a nightclub restaurant himself in the Bronx, just got a salary of $130,000 while we're cutting back on everything. He's considered the new New York City head of the Office of Nightlife. You know damn well he is not going to be enforcing on all of his pals in the business. Yeah, you you need somebody in that role who is law enforcement, who is an NYPD guy, who ultimately understands exactly, hey, this is what we need to make sure we're keeping an eye on over here. This is how we're going to do This is how we're going to enforce. This is how we're going to com- keep the community safe. Um, but, you know, look, Eric Adams is the nightlife mayor. Curtis, do you expect uh, – if, if there was anything that you could expect that Eric Adams was going to roll back – I'm just surprised he actually waited till the end of his second year to roll well, back. Because, I thought this would be a day one initiative. You see, Eric, Eric Adams, Adams rolls strong. So when he shows up at these clubs, he's got a posse of 20. He's yeah. got his police security. <laughs> they have to be there. But then he's got all of his hangers on, his, uh, the guys who uh, just hang out with him, you know, the wannabe rappers, uh, drug dealers, all these guys that he likes to say he's mentoring, uh, you know, f- convicted felons. And they all are supposed to be comped. So they got to be comped. Right. So naturally, all of these nightclub owners are saying, hey, Eric, the last time you showed up with a posse that was 25, they drank every drop of liquor they could. They ate all my food. They didn't even leave a tip for the waiters or waitresses or the cocktail waitresses. Got to leave a tip. What are you going to do for us? What? Wait a second. How much is the mayor? How much is the mayor making now? Two hundred thousand dollars a year? Something like that. About two hundred thousand. Two twenty five. More than that. Right. About two twenty five. But still. This guy's living like he's making two point no. five million dollars a year. No, he never pays. That's what he's living like. Eric if Adams you look, never and by pays. the way, I saw he had a very nice suit on. I saw him a couple oh, weeks ago. Oh, oh, it was a very, very nice suit. Five thousand dollar customized suits, uh, Andrew. If you ever get an opportunity like I had at the end of the West Indian Day Parade, when I I came across him and the police. They were going through the back of the SUV we paid for that's all tricked out, you know, chrome wheels, tinted windows. It's a moving, dry-cleaning establishment. Fifty suits in there, customized suits, all the accoutrements, shoes, socks, ties, ascots, you name it. It's a moving, dry-cleaners at taxpayers' expense. Well, Eric Adams continuing to take the city right down the spiral that Bill de Blasio started. Hey! Mayor Adams, maybe, maybe we should dust off that Giuliani playbook and actually do what it says and not do the opposite. Okay, coming right back with Curtis Sliwa. Oh, the madman, the madman from the Bronx, with, uh, who after being uh, taken finally and put on Rikers Island after stabbing those two tourists, those young girls, ended up stabbing a fellow inmate on Rikers Island. The bad boy from the Bronx up next, exclusively here on WABC. We're live in local sits away, but it's Andrew Giuliani and Curtis Lee. We're here at play. Boy. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? 77 WABC. Where the hell did you get this music selection from? This, this has to be the most played song on Friday across the country on radio stations. The Cure, right? Is this The Cure? 
What up? I don't, do they have any other song in this? I'm just saying. No, I actually like this song. It's a, it's a, it's a fun Friday song. I'm know, just saying. But, it's very unoriginal. Right, we're, very talking, we're talking the Bronx you know. here, Diego. I know that without a GPS, you couldn't like find it. your way to the Bronx, but we're talking Bronx here, right? We're talking the headlines of the last few days that first brought this uh, crazy guy to our attention. Madman stabs two teen tourists in Grand Central Station while screaming out, I want all white people dead. Now, you can imagine if his statement had been, and it was reversed, he was a white crazy guy screaming, I want all black people dead, we would never see this guy again. <laughs> he would be banished somewhere. The double standard is, is amazing. I mean, not only this, this guy had a half dozen uh, domestic abuse complaints by a woman he's been stalking for over a year, obviously 17 priors, he walked into a police station acting deranged, I think in October, basically, and they found a knife on him. The cops found a knife on the guy. Um, and just before he ended up stabbing these women, he told somebody that he was going to shoot them because he was working for the white man. I mean, at what point do we realize that this guy should not be around people, that this guy needs help, that this guy at least needs to be locked well, away until see, he can actually... If, he can get regular. Everything. And if he can't get regular, then guess what? You can't be a part of society. Protect the other New Yorkers and the people that choose to be here, Curtis. Everything you spoke about, uh, Andrew, nobody knew on that moment in Grand Central, 1130, right before noon, uh, outside of a French restaurant, you know, in some of the, the, the areas of Grand Central, the restaurants have seating right outside so you get to watch Grand Central yep. Terminal. And he's telling the staff of the French restaurant, why are you people working for white people? <laughs> so they told him, get out of here, get out of here. Uh, he goes, I'll leave. I don't want the white man to get you. So right there, right, danger. Then he comes back, and he's sitting down next to a South American family from Paraguay who's right. uh, here for the Christmas holiday, and he sits down again, and naturally the staff is upset because he's come back. And he says to everyone sitting there, I don't want you to sit with black people. I want to sit with crackers. <laughs> so it's sort of like this goes from crazy town to crazy town. Yeah. And the next thing he does is pull out a shiv and he slashes the 14-year-old girl and the 16-year-old girl. Thankfully, they survived Thank the ordeal. Gosh. They were taken right to Bellevue. And we then find out that this guy had a track record, 500 Scott Tissue papers long. And in almost every case, the cops did their job, took him for psychiatric observation at St. Barnabas, which is right near Belmont and Arthur Avenue. 72 hours, he'd be cut loose. 72 hours, he'd be cut loose. The mayor was on the cusp of ranting and raving, as he should have, about this. Why was this guy even out on the streets? When all of a sudden, his corporation counsel whispered in his ear at his weekly press conference, that's our judge, <laughs> Judge Matthew Greico, yeah. that you appointed. We appointed him in the Bronx, earlier this year, by the way, right, too. Right, who cut him loose. I wouldn't go into that, Mr. Mayor. And so he avoided, if you notice, yeah. with all the statements, all the outrage about this guy, who again yesterday, while being held, detained in Rikers Island, yeah, Eric Adams isn't touching this, was able to figure out how to fashion a shiv mm -hmm. out of plastic, plastic shards. And he stabbed another inmate. Now, there aren't too many white inmates 
There are some white correctional officers, but I have a feeling without knowing the full details that he actually ended up stabbing a person of color this time because you run out of white people when you go to Rikers Island. So now where do you put him? The city council has voted to do away with solitary confinement, the bing as it used to be called, where you would put guys like this who are incorrigible up to the city council. They want to have the guy to have a timeout for four hours. You can take him away, separate him from the general population, but then put him back with the general population. This is crazy. Maybe the city council is going to mandate that he gets a shiv again when he comes out for the four hours. I mean, at what point do we realize that – we're not going out there and protecting New Yorkers. We're not even protecting those people that are in Rikers Island, those those corrections officers that have such a tough job over here. Well, look, I mean, he, at, what, he, at what point he, you realize that this is complete madness? His name, Stephen Hutchinson, uh, diagnosed as paranoid, delusional, uh, schizophrenic. And proving it. He's out there proving it, right? This is obvious. Everything that Curtis has said, he's quoting him. Same thing with me over here. He is proving that this guy is absolutely off his rocker and dangerous. Now, they went on his Facebook profile because he has a Facebook profile. The number one thing he was into, conspiracy theories. So I would bet he's probably listening to Frank Morano, the other side oh, of midnight. He is. One he, to five Monday. Right. Well, so. I mean, there's all kinds of conspiracy theories. <laughs> He loved videos of Malcolm X on YouTube, who was talking about white devils. He loved war videos. Okay. He would play them over and over. And uh, he was following up on uh, videos that teach you how to fight with a knife. Well, there you go. Case in point, right? He's he's doing that. We've seen three two, twice in the last uh, three days, sadly. 17 arrests. And the judge appointed by Eric Adams. That's why Eric Adams has been so quiet on this issue. Judge Matthew Greco. Against the wishes of the Bronx DA, who is like the female version of Alvin Bragg, Darcel Clark, she said, remand him. He's he he's got to be committed for psychiatric care. And the judge said, no, he doesn't. But, I'm going to cut him loose. But do you see this is, Curtis, another example, too. I know we're obviously talking about the public safety and quality of life side, but let's look specifically at the judge at this point. This is another example of political activists actually moving up in the judicial system, right, whether it be the city, whether it be the state, or whether it be in the federal government, and actually becoming more and more politicized with these decisions. These judges are not unbiased arbiters anymore. They actually have very, very clear political opinions, and they are going to act upon them. Well, when we come back, once again, I have to revert to when your dad was mayor and the big fight he had with the guy who had supported him the second time okay. for mayor, which helped him, Ed Koch. Yeah. First time Ed had supported Dinkins when your dad lost. But the big breakup came over when you appoint judges. Is it political patronage, which Ed Koch was following, or was it, as your dad said, no, it should be based on merit? When we come back, I'll give you an example of that that recently was in the news, exclusively here. It's live and local. We're not talking about the biggest stories of 2023 like everybody else who does lazy radio. We're talking about the news of the day. And, in fact, you and I, Andrew, will be going right on up to 12 midday. 12. I, I, I do want to hear your, like, top ten resolutions, though, Curtis. That's what I want to hear. Or do you have any resolutions? Hell no. Any resolutions? Just Nothing. to give people grief when they mess up. It's time to fess up, guys and gals. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
Well, we have a hurricane coming. Do you know something that we don't know? Uh, I think on the West Coast they have, like, these massive, there's, like, something going on. It's not a hurricane. Tsunami. something going on in the Pacific Ocean. Tsunami. Is it a tsunami? Is there a tsunami going on well, the West Coast? A, They're having a, massive waves, I know. A like, tsunami, so. uh, yeah, if you're a surfer boy, grab your surfboard, head out to the West Coast, Seal Beach. I'm more, anyway. of a, more of a ballet guy than I am a Let me take you back to 2002. There was a great jurist who had been appointed. Uh, as a um, Manhattan criminal court judge by somebody named Rudy Giuliani, 2002. His name was James Burke, and he had been reappointed by the Bloomberg administration. He was considered like the last conservative law and order judge. He had been previously a Manhattan assistant district attorney, and he was considered a very fair jurist. So he ended up ha- handling the Harvey Weinstein uh, case, mm-hmm. that pig, that Hazarai, who uh, was being represented by Arthur Idala, obviously for the money, because we know that he was found guilty not only in New York for the charges, but L.A., and the appeals court upheld the conviction. So Arthur Idala had a, a childish breakdown. Well, and I want to be clear, too. I'm a big fan of Arthur. Arthur has stepped up and defended my father as Good. well throughout all this. Good. So I, I want to I wanna, I wanna, I wanna see how he defends this. So eh, I don't like the way Judge Burke treated me in court. So he goes to Frank Corona at that time, who was the head of the Judicial Committee that makes the recommendations to appoint and then reappoint for the mayor. And guess who didn't get reappointed to a new term as a criminal court judge, what we desperately need in the city, James Burke. And this is how the process works. It's all political cronies, patronage. So imagine a guy who's determining who the judges are going to, who are going to remain or who are going to be appointed is Frank Caron, who then makes the recommendation to Eric Adams, and then he signs off on it. That's Mm -hmm. how this judge, Matthew Greco, got appointed. Your dad differently said, no, 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 no. We need to look at each jurist. We need to see what what is their background? You know, what have they done? Have they worked in the court system? Have they been part of the criminal justice system? He got into such a fight with Ed Koch. Ed Koch was on WABC at that time for 45 minutes. It was the original Rip and Read before I did it. And Paul Harvey would follow. He was on from 11 to 11.45, Paul Harvey, 11.45 to 12. And then Koch broke with Rudy, who he had supported to become mayor. You know what happened to Ed Koch's ratings? He had the top ratings at WABC when he broke with your father. He sided with Al Slim Shady Sharpton. His numbers dumped. <laughs> can't, can't side with dumped. Sharpton. Do not side with Sharpton with that criminal. But, I mean, think of it. Yeah. it. It's all about the appointment. Look, you could do your job as a cop. You could do your job as a prosecutor. But if you have judges in the black regal robes, who are making decisions about whether somebody gets incarcerated, whether you release them. Uh, They have a situation here now in order to avoid incarcerating everybody, you're supposed to get a bracelet on your ankle. Mm -hmm. Everywhere else, it's the uh, parole board that does that, you know, Department of Parole. You know who does that in New York City? Who's that? The Sheriff's Department. Yeah. And you can't get the bracelet put on at court when you're released You have to go to a nearby New York sheriff's office, which is not a law enforcement agency. They're revenue raisers. So the whole system is stacked so that it benefits the criminal. So even if you're not going to incarcerate somebody who's been charged, if you're going to give them a monitoring bracelet, they don't even get the monitoring bracelet when they're being released in criminal court. They got to go to a sheriff's department office 
And hopefully the sheriff uh, has deputy sheriffs there who can put the bracelet on. And they monitor it. That's not what they're good at. That's what a Department of Probation and Parole does. You see, Curtis, I think in the case of Burke over here, I don't know if it has anything to do with the Harvey Weinstein stuff. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that he denied habeas corpus, I guess, to the Legal Aid Society during all the George Floyd stuff in 2020, during the the, the protesters, where he ultimately held them longer than he actually would. I have a feeling that had a lot to do with Eric Adams not actually reappointing well, you, him. You keep thinking that. I happen you don't to think know, so? I happen to know personally. Think, it was Arthur Idella complaining to Frank Corona. I would disagree. I, I think this has ever, this is exact. this points exactly why Eric Adams wouldn't do this. You, you have to believe Andrew. that his political lackeys ultimately pointed and said, hey, wait a second, you're not siding with the George Floyd protest. You're not siding with Antifa. We're not going to reappoint you. You know, like Butch Cassidy and the Sun Dance Kids said, you keep thinking that, Butch. You keep thinking oh, that. Oh, come on. Up you, next. This is exact. This is right out of Eric Adams' M.O. You know the guy better than I do. Up next, Haley attempts to do a pirouette without her ballet slippers on in her tutu. We'll play it for you. We'll see if it flies <laughs> on slavery and its Only relevance that, to the Civil War. With Andrew Giuliani, yours truly, Curtis Lee, we'll be taking you to the 12 o'clock hour. You don't need to be anywhere else. You get live and local programming here, not best of, worst of. Oh, what were the best uh, stories of 2023? That's nonsense. It's live and local here at WABC. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.